Good morning, Abby, and good morning, Lynwyn, and welcome to the latest of our Cyber Conversation series. Unfortunately, particularly timely as we run up to Christmas, because we've seen throughout this year, throughout COVID, just an ongoing, growing incidence of, of cyber crime, a proliferation of different kinds of, of cyber crime. And that really has obviously driven up the imperative for organisations to work together and try and tackle this and to help you know, consumers and, and businesses. Um, and today we've got um, Abigail Bradshaw, the head of the Australian Cyber Security Centre, to speak with us, Linwin. But I wonder, Abby, at the start, if you could just tell us what is the Australian Cyber Security Centre and then your government body, how do you work with organisations? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. And um, thank you um, for having us and doing this. I just want to call out ANZ's great partnership with the ACSC at the, at the outset. So the Australian Cyber Security Centre is Australia's leading authority and operational lead on cyber security. So our job is to make Australia the most secure place to connect online. And we do that by providing cybersecurity alerts and advice and assistance to all Australians, whether you're big business, critical infrastructure, government, the military, or um, individuals at home and small to medium enterprise, of course. We are online 24-7, any time of day or night, the ACSC can be contacted uh, by visiting cyber.gov.au or by calling 1300 Cyber One. And we work as part of Team Australia because cybersecurity is a team sport. Uh, it's best when we all do it together and we all have a role to play. So we work with a range of domestic and international partners across industry, including, of course, the banking industry, and ANZ is a great partner in that regard, and government and the Australian community. Because in order to provide a really good national picture of what's going on in terms of cyber, uh, we need people to tell us what's happening on their networks, and that enables us to build a really rich picture um, to give the best advice about how people can defend themselves from current threats and also to tip off the next victim uh, before, hopefully, before they become a victim. We work closely with the Australian Federal Police and the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission with state and territory law enforcement and cybersecurity authorities to maintain that national threat picture and share what we're seeing so everyone can lift their defences we partner with private organisations across Australia through our partnership program, including, for example, the ANZ, who does a really good job of sharing with us the sorts of threats it's seen on its networks. And that partnership program has three tiers, network, business and individual and family tiers. And uh, we encourage all of your listeners to take a look at cyber.gov.au and consider joining up as a partner. Thanks. Thanks very much, Abby. It's obviously an invaluable resource in the climate that we're in. And I wonder, Linwin, if you could just add to that from your perspective. Abby talked about it and we know that it's important for there to be cooperation and coordination. So from your perspective at the bank, how do you see working with the ACS? So we see it as very important. Um, you know, we partner with a number of different organisations, but but clearly the Australian government and and the ACSC, the lead there is a really good partner for us, source of information. Um, and we work together, I think, on trying to promote good, good cyber practices in terms of things like sharing 
threat intelligence. You know, we, as Abby said, can see a lot of what's going on in our networks. We have many millions of customers. We have good visibility across not just Australia, but our customers overseas as well to see what's happening in the environment. And traditionally, we've always had a really good, you know, network of sharing information informally um, because a lot of people in the cyber industry know each other. So, you know, we, we we talk to our partners, we talk to government about what we're seeing, but we're trying to formalise that a bit more now to make it more automatic, to make sure that we can reach other people, including our customers, uh, with information that helps them protect themselves. And I think that's a really important part of this partnership. Uh, we work closely not only with the ACSC as a central organisation, but it, it's... it's um, organisations called the Joint Cybersecurity Centres. We're talking all the time and, and working on how we can how we can work together to share information to help the people across, you know, the community, our customers, but more broadly as well to make sure that we're all safe from cyber attacks. And I just think it's so important that we do that. And it's really, I think, pleasing for me to see how well not just at my level, but people throughout our organisations are connecting and working together to do that. And of course, one of the one of the huge challenges is as we become, you know, as a bank, as individuals, as a, as a society, more online and more sophisticated in our use of technology, and technology becomes more sophisticated. So does crime, and the picture is not static. And so, typically, the run up to Christmas is always a difficult time for sort of scams of all nature. And so that's one thing that's happening now. But what other sort of trends are you seeing with cybercrime at the moment that the community and, and organisations need to be aware of? Um, what's happened over the last, uh, uh, well, decade probably is the proliferation of the use of the internet by individuals and business to connect with each other and to keep doing their business. And, and that means, you know, most Australians have a smartphone uh, and they'll conduct a whole bunch of their business, banking, um, uh, either from a smart device or um, a, a laptop, um, and probably through a connection with the with the internet. We've also seen now the proliferation of Internet of Things, IoT devices. They're often called. They're things like, um, yeah, you know, your speakers that that either respond to Siri or, or Alexa, and your and your fridges, which can instantly create a shopping list for for groceries. All of those IoT devices are collecting data with applications for just about anything these days. And um, that creates what we call an increase in the threat surface because you've got so many more devices and people and things and data all connecting and flowing through the internet. Now, when you have an increase in the threat surface, that means there's far more opportunities for criminals and malicious uh, cyber actors to prosecute, and they have been. And of course, that's been propelled forward by the fuel of COVID nineteen, when so so many people have been forced online to provide in, to get obtain information or services, or just to continue their lives, or work from home, or do homeschooling online. Um, and of course, the, the criminals have been really quick in pivoting their scams to um, direct them at people who are after information or services pretending to be the provide, trusted providers of information or, um, or services um, and acquiring information like credentials, so your passwords or your bank account details, and then using them for their own financial gain. Um, Cybercrime is probably the biggest threat to Australians' small and medium-sized businesses. And, 
our cybercrime reports that were submitted via Report Cyber last year reported financial losses of more than $33 billion. We received 67,500 cybercrime reports, and that's about one every eight minutes, and that represents an increase of nearly 13% from previous years. So really, um, as far as small to medium uh, businesses go, we're concerned about the increase in what we call business email compromise. So that's when a criminal obtains access to invoice information and then imitates that, except changing the bank details, so that um, uh, uh, the revenue which ought to go to the legitimate company is actually redirected into the criminal's bank account. We saw a massive increase in business email compromise um, last year, and the average amount of each one of those attacks was $54,000. So that can really wipe out a small business, and we had heartbreaking stories last year of small to medium um, business owners ringing our call line and telling us about what had happened. The other um, major trend has been in relation to ransomware. Um, so this is a, a, an issue which has really become a, a high-profile global issue. It's very bad when a ransomware attack hits a critical infrastructure provider. Um, as we've seen big attacks overseas in, in the United States hitting a meat manufacturer and a, and a fuel line, but it can be absolutely devastating if a ransomware attack impacts a small uh, business, their customer records, their financial records. And last year we had 500 ransomware attacks. The other thing um, that we've noticed is because we're also reliant on apps which acquire our data um, uh, to obtain services and information, um, all of those apps have software which gets out of date. Um, and even the software on your phone, on your devices, becomes out of date as people find bugs or loopholes or, or mistakes in the code that need to be corrected. In the past, we've seen cyber criminals prosecuting those those weaknesses or those vulnerabilities in software in weeks to months. In the last 12 months, we've noticed the criminals are really good at prosecuting those vulnerabilities within days and sometimes hours of there being a public disclosure. And so we've got a really big emphasis on the moment in encouraging uh, businesses to have great um, patching uh, practices. And what that means in a simple sense is when you get that little message on your smart device that says there's an update ready, do you want to update now or later, always say now, always put the um, default to automatic um, updates and have your phone or your device plugged in um, and patch as quickly as you can. Linwin, does that mirror what you're seeing at the bank and hearing in the banking industry? And then I, I suppose that the follow-up to that, to Abby's point is, What's ANZ telling customers to be aware of and how should they prepare or you know, put themselves in the best possible position to avoid these attacks? Abby, you know, what you said there is music to my ears. It's exactly the same uh, things that we tell our customers and, of course, people across ANZ more broadly, things like patch, patch, patch. Always make sure you've got up-to-date software on, you know, your personal devices as well as your work devices is really important to keep people safe. We're certainly talking to our customers, and I did a session with our 
institutional customers just last week and we talked about ransomware and business email compromise. And in fact, one of the previous podcasts we did was with their um, CEO, Shane Elliott, on business email compromise because it is such a common situation now that so many organisations are finding very sophisticated business email compromises where the um, intelligence gathering that the criminals do, looking at social media to find out more about people, make very well-crafted business email compromises that can be very difficult for for people to detect. So we're doing a lot of work to help people, you know, notice what looks unusual. And, of course, one of the things we always say is, you know, in our PACT messaging, the first acronym, first letter in that acronym is P for pause. Pause before you do something that someone tells you to do, such as telling you to, you know, change your bank account number or make a payment in an email, even if it looks like the person you think it is. We've seen certainly an increase in threat in our own environment. So we're now blocking, you know, around 15 million malicious or suspicious emails a month compared to before the pandemic, it was about 4 million a month. So that's a substantial increase. We're responding to significantly more security incidents. And what we do to keep up with that, we keep automating our response so we can automatically block or detect and prevent incidents, but what we find is the criminals seem to be automating at the same rate. So as we automate, they automate, and you get more and more of these threats coming into an organisation. So so we keep evolving our, our practices to make sure that we can keep up with that increasing threat. We found before, you know, it wasn't just the pandemic, but whenever there's a sort of a significant crisis. So during the bushfires, for instance, in Australia, we found there are a lot of scam messages going out. When people are anxious, there's an urgency, people want to find out information, they're more likely to click on a malicious email than, you know, when they're in a normal situation and there's time and and when people are thinking properly. And so, unfortunately, criminals, you know, take advantage of that vulnerability and they really exploit people during these times and we often see coming up to Christmas time, of course, as well, that there's lots more scams out there. There's a lot of awareness that we do, you know, across the community just to help people understand that, you know, what you see is not always legitimate. Certainly one of the things we see is a lot of the threats now are around people wanting to make money, criminals wanting to make money. So, you know, ransomware, um, the business email compromises that we see, even denial of service for a ransom. It's about crime and a lot of smaller threat actors uh, buying services, buying, you know, ransomware as a service or other threat packages that they can use to target, you know, large numbers of organisations and people because they can see a profit, you know, the way to make money. And that's I think that's really changed the game, the sorts of, sophisticated attacks that used to be only available to a small number of criminals is now available to a much larger group and that's why we're seeing that increase in volume. I mean the data obviously tell a terrible story of the number of victims that um, in the business community and individuals so if you are the victim of one of these um, uh, one of these cyber crimes or scams Abby what what do you do what's the What's the first thing if you've, you know, inadvertently fallen for something? Well, the best thing you can do uh, is call 1300 Cyber 1 and one of our 24-7 operators um, will will talk you through. Sometimes we have people who know that something um, terrible has happened uh, uh, on 
on their device or on their networks, but they're not quite sure how to diagnose what the problem is. And one of our operators can step you through um, what the best steps are. And, and that will differ depending on the nature of the incident. So sometimes um, uh, people call because they think their identity has been stolen, for example, and there are specific steps which need to be taken which involve engaging with a number of other entities, banks, for example, um, uh, and um, and other private entities, as well as, and, and we do this, a seamless um, um, uh, handoff to ID care who have a number of steps um, that can be taken to assist people. Something like a ransomware attack, however, might take um, uh, much longer and a very different um, series of technical steps which would need to be taken. And those steps will depend on the preparation um, uh, for such a cyber incident that might have been taken by the entity. We hope that that all businesses, no matter how big or, or, or small, have taken the time, just like you, just like you would to plan, for example, for a bushfire, to have a plan and to have thought about that plan, about what you will do in the moment that you might be attacked um, through a cyber vector. And that will include simple steps like um, ensuring that you have multi-factor authentication um, on your devices and your accounts, making sure you've got great passphrases, making sure that you've got a process for ensuring that you've done that patching and those updates. And really importantly, in the context of ransomware, ensuring that you have good backups which are made and separated away from and separate from your ongoing corporate network because we've had instances where small businesses with very few um, resources actually dedicated to um, cybersecurity have had great backups and when they have been impacted they've been able to get back up on their feet and keep operating because of those backups within 24 hours. And Lynn, when that, by and large, that sounds like the same kind of advice that, that ANZ gives. Is there a difference when customers come to ANZ as victims of a scam? Um, we always encourage victims of a scam or any sort of security incident to report it as soon as possible to us and to the authorities. Sometimes we can take steps to recover, but also we can make sure that no one else gets impacted by the same threat because we can publicise what's happening and often that it can be stopped uh, at the source. So that sort of reporting is a really important part. But also we encourage people, preparation is better than cure, you know, and, and as Abby talked about with things like ransomware, you know, we at ANZ, we exercise our playbook on how we would respond if we had to, and that includes that very important step of being able to recover from backups, but making sure you have all sorts of other controls that all work together to protect you know, your, your most important information, your crown jewels, your most important services. And so when people come and talk to us about their concerns, we encourage that what we call a defence in-depth approach, so the sorts of things that Abby talked about, multi-factor authentication, making sure you understand what's most important and how you're protecting it, um, making sure that you have a range of different controls to be able to detect anything that's going wrong and also being able to respond, report things quickly, recover, you know, from backups if you need to, if things have gone wrong. So that sort of 
whole of life awareness of what you have to do to prevent but also to recover is a really important thing and to practice those steps and to test what you're doing. And, and we talk about that a lot because I think often people think there is one silver bullet that will save you from uh, cyber crime, but actually you actually need all of those different things working together and you actually need to practice it'll work for you if it ever does happen. Uh, and that's that's really important. So we, we talk to people a lot about that and actually we share a lot of the the ACSC information or the cyber.gov.au information with our customers because it's really great you know, material. Uh, we've, we've produced our own brochure for small businesses, um, but we we refer a lot to the ACS material because it's it's just great great reference source. And I often talk about ASD's essential eight essential eight um, mitigation strategies for cyber threats, which are really simple things that everyone can do. And most of those things you can do at home as well as at work. And I think I often talk to people about things like turning on automatic updates and putting on multi factor authentication on their social media accounts because that helps people understand how them works in a small business or in a larger organisation because essentially it's a lot of those same things that you do in the workplace as you would do at home and talking to people about how you do it at home, some of those really simple essential eight steps are really important. Backing up, you know, backing up your, your photos at home and your laptops you never know, you might lose your laptop. It might not be a cyber crime, but it's always good to have a backup uh, so that you can recover those things that are really precious to you at home. That's what we do in the workplace as well. So that's what we talk to people about. But, yes, reporting very, very quickly. Never be embarrassed if something's gone wrong. Always report it is, is our key message because a lot of people don't want to admit they've been a victim to a scam and they don't report it until it's too late because it's embarrassing that they fell for something. And we, we really encourage people to, as soon as you think something might going wrong, let people know, let your bank know, let the authorities know. And just a reminder, in the story accompanying this podcast, there is a list of all the resources and links to the resources and numbers that, that Abby and Lynn were mentioning so that um, go back and have a look at those and, and click on those links and follow it through. Um, we are approaching Christmas, so unfortunately everyone does need to be even more aware than, than usual, I fear. But thanks very much for uh, a fascinating and important conversation. 